Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning again. I told you, you're going to get sick of seeing me by the time this is over. (laughs) So, um, unexpected Jesus. 3,000 years ago, uh, prophets were talking about him. And they were promising a Messiah, a Savior. And that promise sounded like the promise of power. And to the powerless, the promise of power means everything. And then 2,000 years ago, he came. And he was, as you know, born in a manger with lowly shepherds as his first guests. That's how we describe them, lowly shepherds. He spent his first years of childhood on the run. A refugee, as it were, in Egypt. Not a great start. Some years later, when he was ready to begin his public ministry, his own hometown rejected him. And his family They doubted him. And the religious leaders of the day ostracized this would-be holy man. To get a group of disciples, he would have to go down to the fishing docks, not to the Torah school. He would pick from tax collectors and other people that didn't quite make the cut. And the people who came to listen to him preach were the kind of people that, you know, people whisper about. Did you hear who was there? Do you see who's listening to him? And they would shake their heads. The religious leaders of the day would accuse him of being satanic, a heretic drunk and mad. And then they arrested him. I mean, I'm leaving out a few pieces of the story, but not much. And after they arrested him, they put him through a sham of a trial and they publicly executed him. And here's the thing. Jesus chose all of that. So here's the question for us. Would you? Would I? Here's what I'm saying this morning. Jesus 
lived and taught something that was remarkable. And if I could sum it up, in the most unexpected of ways, Jesus was teaching something about humility. Humility is power. I mean, Jesus' approach made no sense. His most famous sermon turns everything upside down. The first shall be last, turn the other cheek, the meek shall inherit the earth. Who is this guy and where does he come up with this message? And why does he, why does he think that this could possibly work? How could this humble, impoverished humility possibly work? But he did it, and he taught it every chance he got. In fact, one day, Jesus was invited to dinner at the home of religious leaders, Pharisees. They were not friends. He went anyway. And I suspect he went because this was an opportunity to teach something once again, and he wasn't afraid. I picked this passage, though we could have gone to any number of passages for this topic. Because here, in this moment, Jesus walks into this house of religious leaders who want to catch him doing something wrong, and he's about to teach them a lesson in humility. And if you read it, it just reads as a bit of an instruction manual about what it looks like in our lives. And that's where I wanted to start. So if you have a Bible, in Luke chapter 14, uh, Jesus is uh, having dinner, and, and he looks around, and he notices that, that people are jockeying for position. It's a, there's a little bit of a power play going on in the house. People are trying to get to the seat of honor and hang out with the most important people, and they're working their angles. And you've been at parties like this. You've been places where someone was talking to you, and then somebody more important walked in, and they cut the conversation short and made off to the other person. Jesus sees all of this playing out, and him not being a particularly good guest decides to make a scene. And so he says something. He teaches them something, and he teaches us something. Here's what he says. In verse 8, he says, When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? And the host will come to you and say, give this person your seat. And then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. He said, listen, don't, <laughs> if I could sum it up, they'll say, don't fool yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't, don't fool yourself into the first seat. Self-awareness or a lack of self-awareness is often the beginning of our greatest levels of embarrassment. He said, listen, this is just a good rule of life. Don't fool yourself. Don't miss what's happening here. But Jesus isn't quite done. He's given a, a blunt instrument like 
you probably shouldn't take the most important seat because you may not be the most important person. But he's not done. He says this in verse 10. He says, instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Now, do you notice what he did there? He said, he said there's a seat of honor. He said, and, and if you take the seat of honor and the most important person actually shows up, they're going to kick you out, and you'll have to take what's left. And what's left will be at the last seat at the foot of the table. And then Jesus does something interesting. He says, instead, you should just go to the foot of the table on your own. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. And now he gives a reasoning. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In other words, He's saying something here about self-promotion, and I don't want to camp out here, but you can just sum it up. Don't fool yourself. Don't promote yourself, right? Don't promote yourself to the first church because self-promotion is not as, promo- is, is not as, as powerful or as fulfilling as taking the second seat and having somebody offer you the first seat. That's much more powerful. So take the lowest seat and wait for somebody else to, to offer you that seat. And Jesus isn't done. Because now he turns to his host, right? I told you he's not a good guest, right? He doesn't, he does he, he lacks decorum of knowing what to say, when to say. He just he's putting it all out there. So he turns to his host, the, the religious leaders who are not his friends, and he says, When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't Invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. For they will invite you back. And that will be your only reward. He said, you're, you're, you're working the system here. You got, you got your party, and you're taking it, and you're leveraging your party to get more. Instead, he says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. You're, you're trying to, to, to work the system. You're, you're trying to uh, protect your interests, if I could. Don't, don't fool yourself. Don't promote yourself. Don't protect yourself. Don't, 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 don't work the system. Protect your own interests to provide for yourself. Instead, use what you have. This is what humility looks like. It looks like you using the power that you have to serve those who don't. That's what Jesus is saying. Take, take this opportunity. Take this, even this simple dinner and use it to, to bless those and serve those who might not. And listen, when you do that, when you live your life humbly like that, on the other side of that, you're going to see the reward of your Father in heaven. And so what, what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's laying out this, this pathway, and he's done it over and over and over again through the New Testament, not the least of which is in his own life lived out. And he's saying, listen, this way of living is counterintuitive. It's unexpected, but it's powerful. There's something about 
living your life in humility. There's something about the practice of humility because here's the truth. Oftentimes, oftentimes humility starts off with a practice. It's just a decision. It's like, it's not really in your core. Like, like most of us don't feel humble in our core. Most of us feel, feel desperate and we, we want something and we need something and we feel, we feel needy. And because we feel needy, we're going after what we feel needy for. And there's nothing that's humble about that. But humility often starts off as a practice, and it turns out it's a really powerful practice because it upends the system, and it does something in our life that is unexpected. And and we could expand for an entire series on this, but I just want to take a moment and talk about two things that it does that are are unique. And I, I don't stand before you as someone who thinks that they've mastered this, right? This is, but, 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 but I've watched this practice in other people's lives, and I've watched it in glimpses in my life, and I've seen how it works. So did, did you notice that little uh, word? I think it was in verse 9. Then you will be embarrassed. Embarrassed. <laughs> ah, embarrassment, Right? The anxiety over what people think. How much anxiety in your life is due to your fear of what people will say or do or think? I don't want to pretend that that's the only anxiety, but if I were quantifying it in a pie chart, it would be a big, 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 big giant chunk of pie. The anxiety over what people think, what people say, what people do. And the practice of humility is, it's it's powerful. You you see, humility is always personal. A true act of of humility is personal. It's, 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 It's my decision to act or react. And it doesn't require you to do anything. It doesn't require your approval. It doesn't require your acceptance. It doesn't even require your criticism. None of those things are necessary. It's just a personal decision that this is how I'm going to live and act. I, I'm, I, I've decided to take the second chair, the, the seat at the, the, the foot of of the table. And when I, when I do this, and, and, and he says that you'll be embarrassed and you'll have to take whatever seat is, is left, it's, but, but, but something happens when, when we decide to take the seat. When, 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 I, when I opt, when I no longer have to say, I'm the best, I'm the winner. I'm the biggest, I'm the prettiest, I'm the most successful, I deserve that. Something something powerful happens when we're released from the grip of that. We've, we've, We've intentionally walked into a room and say, I might not be the best. I could be wrong. No, seriously, I could be wrong. I think this is true, but I'm not sure. That's like, you... You, you might be better at this than me. In fact, I, you, it's, it's likely true. Like, there, there's something about it, right? It, it's, got, it's got an inherent power. It's like we've opted out of the game. Like, we've decided that we're not going to play the game to win. I'm just like, yes, you win. 
you probably should win. And that's okay because I'm opting out of the game to win. I'm not, I'm not living to win. I'm not living to be the biggest or the best. Remember the good old days uh, when, when we took pictures with cameras and film in them? Remember that? Some of you don't. Some of you young people are like, what? It was like a museum with stuff like that. But in the old days, you took pictures with film, and then you took the film to a store like CVS or something like that, and, they, and then like a week later, you would get pictures back, and you would find out what you took pictures of. Remember, remember that? Those are, those are wonderful days. And you just lived whatever you got, you got. <laughs> that went in the scrapbook. There was, no, there, was, there was no process of like, oh, no, 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 no. You just like, you kept it, right? And then digital cameras, oh, man, right? Like, oh, no, I'll do it again. And then, and then phones. This has only been like 10 years ago, right? Phones got cameras. Oh, thousands. I read this week that they... They expect this year there to be 1.4 trillion photos taken. Trillion. There's 4 uh, billion, is that right? Uh, 6 billion or 8 billion, or just a lot of billions. Anyway, I tried to do this on my calculator. I'm not good enough at math to figure out how many, some of you math wizards can figure out how many is per person, but that's a lot of pictures per person, right? We're just, because we, all of a sudden we, we, did, we, we added a new word to the lexicon, selfie, selfie, like selfie, right? And now you can, oh no. And we all do it. Like, I'm not, I'm not hating. I've done it too, right? You know, I do it. I'm like, oh, that's not my good side. That's not my good side up there. Put your chin out like that. <laughs> right? It's, 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 I mean, that's why they call it a selfie, right? No, no, no. Don't put that one up. Don't put that one up, right? You ever had this discussion? No, no, no. Don't put that one up, right? And then, remember when this, we got filters. Remember Filters? can make it look even better than real. It's like, oh, what an incredible sunset. It's fake, but it's incredible. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, man, you have such a nice tan. <laughs> I'm Irish. I've never had a tan. If you see a picture of me with a tan, it's fake. That or I went to a salon and they sprayed something on me, but that's the only way it's happening. Right? You know what happened next? Do you remember... You'd start seeing people posting stuff and they'd say, no filter. Remember that? No filter. It was kind of a reaction. It was like there was, there was something about the game that was eating away at our soul. Like, like we knew, like, ah, this is killing me. I'm like randomly worried about how many chins I have in this picture. Right? <laughs> And, and, and I think that, that that's led to maybe something that's not bad, where we're just like, there, there's, there's a certain joy and freedom in posting pictures with flaws, isn't there? That's yeah, the real deal. That's, <laughs> it is what it is. You know why? You've opted out of the game. So I don't have to win. Those chins, they're all mine. <laughs> Every one of them. You know, that receding hairline. You know, whatever, whatever. 
this is, this is what humility does. It's a practice that lets me step out of the game and it releases me from the anxiety of what other people think. I'm not saying it's a magic pill, but I'm saying as a practice. When you find yourself sort of gripped with a little bit of worry and anxiety and fear over what someone thinks or what someone's going to do, then, then Jesus' path to power is humility. There, there's something about saying, I might not win. I might not have that. I might not receive applause. I might not be the best. I might not be the biggest. And it's, it's, it's okay. I, I've, I've, I've decided to take the second seat. I mean, if God wants to give me the first seat, that's okay, but I'm not sure I deserve the first seat. I'm just going to take the second seat. There's something else that, that it does, and it's, and it's related. You'll, you'll see, I think it's in verse 14, where it talks about rewards. Rewards. <laughs> so it turns out that humility has a relationship with contentment. This is really important. Because most of us, where we struggle with anxiety, we also struggle with contentment, contentment with what I have and where I'm at and what I don't have. And humility, humility is a way of us wrestling ourselves away from the pursuit of reward. Humility is is the way of Jesus saying more is not more. It's an intentional practice that denies and rejects the idea that more is always more, and it intentionally declares enough is enough. See, when you intentionally engage in the practice of humility, when you walk this way of Jesus, there, there's something, that, it's, it's like you're, you're telling yourself it's enough. That job, it's enough. Those friends, that's enough. That money, that opportunity, that applause, that appreciation, that, that house, that place, it's enough. It is enough. This is enough. Have you noticed how hard it is to sell self on that? Self is a hard sell. Self doesn't like that. It doesn't buy into it. There's something about us that say, it's not enough. I need more. More is more. But humility is like, no, 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 it's enough. Let me show you how it works. Uh, so uh, for Christmas, Tammy uh, got me tickets to hear an author that I've read a few times um, speak. And so it was a couple weeks ago, and we went away. We kind of made a Valentine's getaway of it, and it was down in Rhode Island, and there was a, it was kind of in a, you know, a, a fancy venue, and um, she had she had ordered the tickets, but she had uh, gotten the kids to help her. Uh, online stuff is not her favorite deal, and so the kids were picking out seats. And so as we're going in, she's like, "Oh, the kids picked out the seats," and I'm kind of excited. I'm like. I'm like, oh, it's a Christmas present. I haven't actually looked. I didn't look at a seating map. I was like, you know, this is gonna be, you know, the kids picked them out. These would be pretty good seats, and and they were. It was like, like right, like like right, 
eye line for, for the stage. I mean, I could see direct. We were one balcony up, eye line with the stage in the second row. It's pretty close. And I mean, I could see it. Like, And we sat down, and the place is filling up, and I'm sitting in my seat looking right at the stage. I'm like, I'm going to... And then this guy comes in who's in the first row. I'm going to tell you a little secret about our auditorium, and this works in most any places. I was telling you, we designed this place strategically so that when you're seated, the seats in front of you are off. So so you're actually looking between people. It's very, very brilliant. The people who designed this place were not nearly as brilliant the place we went to. Because the young man with the largest head I have ever seen sat in front of me. I mean, he must have been incredibly smart is what I'm trying to say, but he was, he was enormous. I mean, like right, like, like, like right there. <laughs> I looked at him, I'm like, are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding This guy. I was frustrated. My Christmas present. You know what I did? I took a picture of him. (laughs) Sent it to the family group chat. Here's my seat. Thanks a lot, everybody. One of the kids responded, it looks like Rob Gronkowski's brother. (laughs) I mean, just... And I'm laughing about it now, but I was frustrated. I was frustrated because I was in the second seat and I wanted to be in the first seat. Are you tracking with me? I actually started looking around the room. I wonder what would have been better seats than these. Oh, look at that. They got their own private section over there. I wonder how much those cost. You know what else I did? The confession is good for the soul. I sat there for a moment, and I, I thought, well, it is, you know, it's my Christmas present. She should switch with me. Tammy should switch with me. Why hasn't she offered? And then there was a little voice in the back of my head that says, do not say that out loud. You will ruin the evening. That was the Holy Spirit speaking. (laughs) I was actually sitting there in a moment, and I'm like going... And I was doing it fast so that he would notice, like movement and just... And then it was like the Lord was just like, are you going to ruin this entire night over the second seat? often have we ruined an entire night over the second seat? I'll tell you something. The way of Jesus is even more powerful than that. Because the way of Jesus, the humility of Jesus says, even when I don't have enough, It's enough. (laughs) I mean, that's how Jesus lived. Even when I don't have what's fair or right 
or deserved. It's enough. I mean, we see that lived out in Jesus' life. Romans 8, I'll finish with this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? You see, when you said yes to Jesus Christ, and you invited him into your life, he came, he took up residence. He gives you everything you need. And that doesn't mean that he gives us everything we want, but he provides everything that we need. And even in those moments where we feel like, God, I don't know if I can go on, he's faithful. There's, there's, there's something in that relationship with Jesus that allows us to step back and live a life of humility that doesn't make sense. The same power that enabled the Son of God to come and be born in a manger and live in Egypt and be rejected by his hometown and falsely accused by the religious leaders of the day and placed on a cross, the same humility teaches us how to live. And if God gave up his own Son for you and you and you, and me. Won't he also give you everything you need? Yes, he will. And that's what allows us to live with an unusual humility that says it's enough because he's faithful. So let me finish with this. Maybe you're here and you have been wrestling with where Jesus fits into your life and the way of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And maybe you listen to this and you're ready to say yes. Well, I'd like to finish by giving you a chance to do that. Would you bow with me? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed and You may need uh, these few moments because perhaps there's an anxiousness in your life over the applause and the approval or the criticism that you receive from people. And you've been trying to reconcile it, but the way of Jesus offers us a way of humility that reconciles it in the most unexpected of ways. Take this moment. Pray into that with him and into that anxious fear. Maybe in this, God is wrestling through with you with a contentment. And maybe in this place, in this moment, he's asking you to take the second chair to just say, it's enough. This is 
enough. And if that never happens, it's okay. It's enough. Because he's enough. Then I invite you to use these moments to pray into that. To declare with him in a practice of humility. It's enough, Lord. It's enough. Maybe you're here. You're watching online. And you're ready to say yes to Jesus. To follow him. To invite him into your life. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. How he comes in and he dwells in us. He lives in us. His power at work through us. But he doesn't force his way in. If that's your story, I want to invite you in the quiet moment that we have right here to pray. You can pray quietly to yourself. God will hear you. It's the prayer of faith from your heart that he's listening for. A simple prayer that says something like this. Dear God, you know everything about me. I won't try to hide it. I confess it. Every fault, every failing, every sin, every struggle, I put it before you. I give it to your grace and your mercy. I believe that on the cross, you forgave me once and for all. Jesus Christ, I trust in you. I invite you into my life. Help me to live my life fully for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this message from our current series. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to meet you in person. We have services every Sunday at 10 a.m. in East Falmouth, Massachusetts, or join us for our Sunday live stream on YouTube at the same time. If you enjoyed the Cape Cod Church podcast, we hope you'll consider leaving us a review so that other people can discover us too. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.